Yudalit Sivan, Tafshin Ayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Rami Kleinstein opens things up here with Yom Shalom Yachzar. Welcome one and all. Welcome into the this week's edition of the Israel Show. We are live as we are each and every week. Immediately following JM in the AM on Monday, that would be 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Israel Time. And whenever you want to hear, on demand, you can get us via the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free, for free, for Android and for Apple. And you can also sign up for... Uh, for a podcast, so you'll get the podcast automatically. So many ways to listen. Hope uh, you do so, and I, I especially hope that you tell others that if you enjoy this show, you tell others that you think will enjoy the show to um, to do the same. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show, posts lots of interesting stuff. Last week, we really were were scooping all the other uh, news sources about the uh, terror attack in Tel Aviv. We had a lot of information up before everybody else. So um, this is not what we do on a regular basis, but when the situation presents itself, we try and are sometimes successful. So please do share with everybody and tell your friends about the show. Hope hope they will enjoy great music and uh, politics and uh, love of the land and people of Israel, the state of Israel. This is all included in this one hour a week. Um, <clears throat> as we get closer and closer to the 40th anniversary of the um, miracle at Entebbe, that's what we should be calling it. We call it a raid on Entebbe, this, Operation That. It really, it's a miracle. The whole thing was a miracle. When you think about it, it's the kind of thing, it's similar to the Six-Day War, though the Six-Day War was on a bigger scale, a national scale. This was more on a personal scale, but it had a national level to it as well. And 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 this is the kind of things that you could imagine the story being written in the Nevi'im, you know, and then God was with the people of Israel and they flew... X thousands and thousands and thousands of miles from Israel to Uganda, and they landed on the airfield and they rescued all the hostages. And only one, the irony of this whole story, that would be something that they would learn in schools, obviously. The commander was killed, Yoni Netanyahu. So we're getting closer and closer to that 40th anniversary, and there are going to be lots of events. Um, Prime Minister Netanyahu himself, the brother of Yoni Netanyahu, of course, he will be celebrating the 40th anniversary at the uh, Entebbe Airport in Uganda. And he will be welcomed there this time. No, will not have to sneak in. And the many other things happening. We'll try and keep up with some of the material that's being um, published now. I'm collecting it. Hopefully, we'll get to it um, as we get closer. Um, all this is a build-up to Yishai Rebo's remake of Eretz Tzvi, uh, the, the classic song, iconic song, about the Entebbe rescue. The funny thing is that in the entire song, there's not much mention about Entebbe at all. It's really, if you look at the words, it's really 
a love song to the land of Israel. It was composed by Dubi Zeltzer, and it was, the words were written by Telma Eligon Rose. Yes, it talks about, it starts off, Bachatzi Halayla Himkamu. In the middle of the night, they got up to go to rescue Vehiku Bikze Haolam, and they were able to, to hit, to attack. And the ends of the earth, Kivnei Reshef, Chashu, like sons of fire in an airplane, they ran, Hirchiku Uf, they flew very far. Lehashiv et Kvor Adam to restore the glory and the honor of human beings. And where are they bringing them? And that, that, that this part now is left out. Where are they bringing them to? El Eretz Tzvi. So in the first, like, four lines, she describes the fighters that are going somewhere in the ends of the earth. And then the next, like, ten lines, she's describing where they're bringing them to the beauty of the, of the land of Israel. Eretz Tzvi is, the, uh, is one of the names for the land of Israel. We, we spoke about it, why it is called Eretz Tzvi. We spoke about it at length on the Yom Yerushalayim show. It was, uh, I must say, one of the great Yom Yerushalayim shows that we've had over the years. And if you're interested, I think you will find the... Uh, we did a Meir Milim segment there about Eretz Tzvi, what the word Tzvi means and why it's called Eretz Tzvi. You may want to go take a listen to that. If you don't know exactly where it is, drop us a line and uh, maybe we'll post it on our Facebook page. So they're bringing the people to Eretz Tzvi, to the land of Israel, El Dvash Dotea, to the honey of its fields, El HaKarmel, Hamidbar, El Am, bringing the hostages back to a people, El Am Asher Lo people that will never stand silent, She'ed Banav Lo Yafkir Lizar, that will never let its children be taken by a foreigner. Won't make them hefker. El Eretz Tzvi Shebeharea Poemet Ir Midor Lidor. Eretz Tzvi, who in the mountains, there, there is the heartbeat of the generations. El Eretz Em Letaburak Shurim Baneha Batovu To the motherland to which we, the, her children, are tied to her like the uh, infant is tied to his mother at birth. Betov uvera, for good and bad. That's the beginning of the the first two stanzas of the song. It was redone recently, recently, relatively, um, in memory of Roe Klein. They added this, the same author, Telmar Eligon Roz, added a few uh, passages. We've played that many times. It was redone by Yoram Gaon. But now... The song is being covered by the superstar, the current superstar, the up-and-coming, whatever you want to call him, um, Yishai Rebo, who we love very much and have focused on here. He's redone it. Very different, but I believe very interesting. Give it a chance. Give it a listen. It comes off an album called Nigun Yisraeli, brand new. We actually don't even have it here. We somehow were able to get this um, from some other source. So... um, if anybody knows the producers of Nigun Yisraeli, give them our address. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. That's enough of a build-up <laughs> for one song. Yishai Rebo.
with the uh, brand new version of Eretz Tzvi as we approach the 40th anniversary of the Entebbe miracle. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Takes some getting used to. It's different. We're used to the other way. <laughs> but um, I must say, it's uh, it's I, it's caught my attention. It's very beautiful. Eretz Tzvi. Redone now by Yishai Rebo off of the brand new album, Nigun Yisraeli. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Single Network. Thank you so much 
for joining us. Well, we all know, do we not? We all know now about um, this massacre that took place in Orlando. And will it surprise you or not surprise you? That the President of the United States and not only the President of the United States, so much of the liberal politicians and media are, um, let's say, doing everything possible to downplay the part of this that is screaming out. I mean, it's so hard to downplay something when it is so screaming out at you. The role of militant, radical Islam. Here's a guy who goes to a radical mosque who clearly has what they call become radicalized. The fact that he was born in the United States means zero. I don't understand why, why that has any relevance. He grew up in a family where, where the parents are from Afghanistan and he himself is Muslim and he went to many Islamic, uh, whether mosques or other um, com- community affairs, and here's a shocker. As he's shooting, he calls 911 and he says, This is so that you stop bombing my country, Afghanistan. This is for ISIS. He says all this. And and yet, the um, the president and the media and the attorney general and everybody involved, except probably the FBI, are doing everything to literally take your focus and your attention away from that and move it to something else. This is it's like a magic trick. It's like a con job. Don't look. Don't look there. Look here. Oops. I pulled something out of my hat while you were looking the other way. Don't look at the Islamic radical terrorist. No, it's the guns. And then the president asks in in in, in the most demagogue, demagogic way. Well, if we call it radical Islam, is that going to make it easier to capture them? Uh, is all the shooting going to stop if we just say the words radical Islam? No, Mr. President, that's not what anyone's saying. No one's saying that all the shooting is going to stop. What people are saying is have, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the, focused on where the problem is. I heard an interview with the former deputy director of the FBI. Unfortunately, I don't have those clips. I will try and get it maybe for next week. And he says the FBI can't do its job properly because they are, they are held back, held down by what he called a wet blanket 
of, of the political correctness, of the don't say anything that might um, bring people to believe that there's Islamic radicalism growing by leaps and bounds in the United States. I don't know what it'll take. I, I, I really thought that this would wake us all up. Not us. We're awake. This would wake up America. doesn't seem to be working. Here. Here's a few quick examples. Loretta Lynch is the um, Attorney General of the United States. She's the top law enforcement officer. She's responsible for law enforcement. And now there's an investigation taking place into the shooting. And they have the recording of the 911 call that the murderer, the terrorist, made while he was shooting. It was a period of three hours. I I don't get that either. While he was shooting, he called the 911. She says they're going to release a transcript, not the audio, because, quite frankly, that makes it too real. They don't want that. They're going to release a transcript, but it's edited, 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 edited means censored. Here, listen to this. This is from Meet the Press yesterday. Actually, though, what we're announcing tomorrow is that the FBI is releasing a partial transcript of the killer's calls with law enforcement from inside the club. These are the calls with the Orlando PD negotiating team who were trying to ascertain who he was, where he was, why he was doing this. It's a partial transcript. Partial. And it's, it's as she says... This is when the FBI is trying to ascertain who he is, what motivated him, etc. Okay, so then the um, moderator asks her, well, what does that mean, a partial transcript? What are you leaving out? Listen to her answer. This is, like, amazing. You say partial. What's being left out? Well, what we're not going to do is further proclaim this individual's pledges of allegiance to terrorist groups and further his propaganda. So we're not going to hear him talk about those things? We will hear him talk about some of those things, but we're not going to hear him make his assertions of allegiance in that. You hear that? It, it, it's gobbledygookly, you know, diplomatic, diplomatic ease. We're not going to allow him to make his assertion. They're taking out the part where he says, I am ISIS. Which president wouldn't understand. Anyway, because he calls it ISIL. They're taking out the part. They're censoring the parts. They're removing the parts where he says, I am doing this for Islam. And that's going to help them ascertain who he was and why he did it? Really, 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 I, I don't get it. I don't, I really don't get it. And the New York Times, in one of, historically, one of the most, I, I don't know what to say, delusional editorials in its history. The New York Times basically says, you know who's at fault for this? Oh, you might think radical Islam, you might think that's the answer. Or some imam who, who, who got him all riled up. Or the videos that he was watching online from Islamic State. No! <laughs> How silly of you, really. I mean, come on, please. 
It's the Republicans. And it's the people that want guns. It has nothing... Nothing to do with that. With what you think it is. Could you believe that in the 631 word editorial, 631 words, that Islamic State or Islam is not mentioned in the editorial at all. (laughs) Quote, New York Times, June 15th editorial, with a precise motivation for the rampage, while the precise motivation for the rampage remains unclear, it is evident that Mr. Mateen was driven by hatred towards gays and lesbians. Really? And, and where did that hatred come from? Maybe from Islam that tells you to kill gays and lesbians? Maybe from Islamic State that takes them on, on top uh, rooftops and, and throws them to their death? No, no mention of that, no. He hated them. Hate crimes don't happen in a vacuum. This is a hate crime. They occur where bigotry is allowed to fester, where minorities are vilified, and where people are scapegoated for political gain. Where is this, you might ask? In Syria, in Lebanon, in Iran, in Iraq, in Afghanistan? No, no, the New York Times doesn't know those places. Tragically, this is the state of American politics, driven too often by Republican politicians who see prejudice as something to exploit, not extinguish. Can you imagine this? A guy, an Islamic radical, walks in to a nightclub, shoots 49 people in cold blood, says He's doing it because of ISIS. He says that he's doing it because the United States is bombing Afghanistan. And he's, he feels that his home is Afghanistan. Even though he was born in America, he says the United States is bombing my homeland. And that New York Times tells you that we are to blame. It's because America is not tolerant enough of gays and lesbians. It's, it's amazing because you would imagine that after all the laws that were just passed, one would find it difficult to assert that. Well, but the New York Times, they don't have this problem. The editorial ends, the 49 people killed in Orlando were victims of a terrorist attack, but... They also need to be remembered as casualties of a society where hate has deep roots. Us. It's our fault. This is like a psychosis. A society where hate has deep roots. A society where the president is an African-American, a black man. A society where all 50 states now allow, whether we like it or not, Gay marriage. But this is a society where hate has deep roots, and so this Islamic terrorist was influenced 
not by Islam that says kill all gays, but by America, society, and the Republicans who are not open enough. I, I ser- seriously, I this, this is olam hafuchani Seriously, seriously, I, I don't know how we get out of it. It's just getting worse. I thought it was getting better. It's not. And just to end off this uh, this section, this is from a little while ago, not that long ago. President Obama gave us some ideas of how he's fighting ISIL, what he calls ISIL, ISIS. Here, enjoy some of this. But we defeat them in part by saying, you are not strong, you are weak. We send a message to those who might be inspired by them to say, you are not going to change our values of... of liberty and openness and uh, the respect of all people. And, and I, I mentioned in the baseball game. Yeah, the baseball game is, is when he was in Cuba. While all, lots of stuff was going on, he was at a baseball game with, with, with a dictator of a, a tyrannical government chumming around. Nobody gets, I don't know why, nobody, nobody gets, seems to get upset by this. So we're going to defeat ISIS, says the president. He has a strategy. We're going to defeat him by telling them that they're not going to win. We're going to tell them that we're strong and they're weak. Okay, maybe that'll work. Let's try that. Brand new music from Amit Amos and Yonatan Avidani coming off an album called Lach Yerushalayim. It is an album entirely dedicated to Yerushalayim songs redone by current artists and uh, Hineni Khan. Very different way of listening to the song. The song initially sung by Yoram Gaon from the uh, movie Ani Yerushalmi is slow like a love song uh, about him coming to Yerushalayim. Uh, this changes the tempo and everything, but I found it interesting and hope you will as well. Hineni Khan, offer the album Lach Yushlaim. Amita Mos and Yonatan Avidani. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. <laughs> אני חוזר מארץ לא זרועה מושיט ידי ולטוב את שערך הנה ניקר אך כמו יונה פצועה אני נופל תמיד
Hope you liked it. You're more than welcome to comment um, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And listener Monica is listening from Yerushalayim. And she just sent us a nice message on the Facebook page. And we thank her for listening. Wow, it's so exciting. It's exciting to have somebody listening from Yerushalayim. Um, and we, we have. <clears throat> we have lots of people. We just don't all know about them. Um, one other, one one additional point: as Israel sees that the United States is, uh, in in a sense, abandoning the fight against radical Islam, it might be that as they see this, as do other American allies, that pushes Israel more toward the alliance with Russia, which might explain why Netanyahu has met Putin more than he's met Obama recently. That might be some of the strategy of those who are disappointed with American leadership, whether it's Egypt, whether it's Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and others. Um, Second topic... (laughs) <laughs> just as exciting as the first. We'll have a nice thing at the end. As has been suggested by one of our listeners a while back, we try to adhere to having a nice thing at the end. Um, there is a, a conference that takes place every year in Herzliya. It's called the Herzliya Conference. Um, and it has become a showcase for people to lay out their world vision about Israel their world vision about Israel, their vision for Israel. A lot of politicians, all the big politicians, you know, they don't speak the Knesset anymore. Like the Knesset, like who cares about the Knesset? Let's go to the Herzliya conference. This is at the Herzliya conference years ago where Ariel Sharon laid out his plan for leaving Gaza. Not in the Knesset, not in the government. It was first brought to the public's attention there. And um, many other Many other politicians and, and opinion makers go there. Um, this year, there was, I, I, I can't even, I called it a, um, a um, BB bashing bonanza. You have people who were formerly allied with BB, meaning former Defense Minister Moshe Yalon, Bogi Yalon, who just, a few weeks ago was talking about how important Bibi's work was, the importance of the governments and so forth. And Ehud Barak, who for years was very close with Bibi Netanyahu and was a member of his government as a minister of defense for many years. In fact, he sort of like broke up his own party in order to, to stay there. And now they, the attacks on Netanyahu at this Herzliya conference, and he was attacked, by the way, not only by Ehud Barak, not only by Moshe Yalon, but by two others, two other former chiefs of staff. So four former chiefs of staff attacking him, uh, one after the other, like o- almost would seem that it, it, this is being orchestrated. And what, what is the purpose of all this? I believe that the purpose of all this um, is that these politicians are being left out 
they they would like to have a seat at the table, but they won't get one. They see how the latest elections made Bibi even stronger. They now see that his coalition is not just 61 and, and teetering, but it's a lot stronger than they thought. And so they have to attack him because they want to get online to replace him. And the only way to replace him will be to continually attack him. So one thing that they attack him with is there is no existential threat to the state of Israel. Bibi goes around the world saying Iran is an existential threat. They're going to have a bomb. Israel's in danger. They, they, no, they, now there's this new idea now on the left. There is no existential We're strong enough. We can fight it off. And Netanyahu is just trying to get people panicked by saying that there's this existential threat. He's trying to, to use that fear in order to get people to support him. This is uh, the person who, up until a few weeks ago, was defense minister. He had been defense minister for a long time. And he, went, he personally went around the world saying that the Iranian nuclear bomb is an existential threat to Israel. A few weeks later now, politics is politics. Here is Moshe Yalon saying there is no existential threat. I can say today yeah, who who thought of that? <laughs> but the most vociferous and violent, I would say, of the speeches against Netanyahu is Ehud Barak. Ehud Barak is so <sighs> he he's so frustrated that he can no longer have a say that he'll just publicly say anything to get attention. So here's clip one in which he says first he's saying that the Likud party is has been hijacked. It's not really the Likud party that by the way was elected democratically. It's been hijacked by radicals who've taken it over. It's not the party of Menachem Begin. It's not the party of Jabotinsky. They took it over, and Netanyahu is just as bad and uh, just as radical as they are. נתניהו בראשה נושא באחריות לפעולות ממשלתו החטופה ומחדליה. You understand? So first we're going to delegitimize the Likud, and through that we'll delegitimize Netanyahu. The Likud was taken over by radicals. It's not, it's, it's sort of like it's not a legitimate party now, according to Barack, because it was taken over by radicals. And Netanyahu has to go with this group of radicals. He has to follow with them. Now, next clip, same speech, Ehud Barak. Now, 
הולך כמו ניצני פשיזם ונובח כמו ניצני פשיזם, אז זה ניצני פשיזם. זה המצב. That's step two. Step two is now to say that the people who are now in control of the Likud, the prime minister and the ministers, they are fascists. That's the word now that's, that's bandying about in Israel. They're fascists. He says in this clip, he said, only a blind person or somebody who's making himself blind, meaning he doesn't want to see, is missing this this process of the erosion of democracy in Israel. Can you imagine that today's day and age where there's more democracy in Israel than ever, this man is talking about the erosion of democracy and the blatnitzanei fascism, the blossoms, the early flowering of fascism. Fascism? Wait. But there's more. Who in the name of God, says Barak, has given Netanyahu and this government the authority to take us to the edge of the cliff? Wait a minute. Let's see. Who might have done that? Oh, the electorate who elected them about a year ago, overwhelmingly. That's who gave them the authority. You, who just a minute ago talked about the democracy that's eroding, you're now a fascist yourself. You're saying they don't have any real right to rule. Who gave them authority? Democracy. The voters. The people of Israel, they voted. And he won. And he has a majority. Who's, who, who's the fascist? But wait. He gets a lot of applause for that last statement. He says, if this government doesn't get itself together, get its act together, meaning do what we want, it will be up to us to overthrow it. He says, through mecha'ah meaning demonstrations and um, non-violent uh, protest, and, secondly, and through the voting booth. So, uh, really, who's the fascist? The one who doesn't recognize the democratic process that elected this government? The one that doesn't recognize that Netanyahu was elected over and over again and he, he Barak, lost over and over again? The one who says, well, if you don't think like me, then, then you're no good. Then you're a fascist. If you don't think like me, we've got to overturn you. I, I don't know where this is coming from. I really don't. And yet, by the way, these are the very same people who were with Netanyahu when they were in power 
With Netanyahu, they didn't say any of these things. And here, finally, we'll just give you uh, a, about 30 seconds of Netanyahu's response. אי אפשר לומר בכנס במינכן לפני ארבעה חודשים שאיראן היא איום קיומי לישראל והיום בכנס בהרצליה לומר שאיראן היא לא איום קיומי לישראל. אי אפשר להביע אמון מלא בהנהגה כשאתה בפנים ולומר את ההפך הגמור כשאתה בחוץ. ולכן לא צריך לייחס חשיבות לכל הניגוחים הפוליטיים הללו. מנהיגות אמיתית לא מתכחשת לאיומים, היא רואה אותם נכוחה והיא נערכת לטפל בהם. what we were telling you before. You can't, three months ago, Bugi Yalon was in Munich at, a, at some conference and he said that Israel is under an existential threat and then three months later say it's not and so forth. He says you, we, we, the leadership has to see the threats that are before us and we have to deal with them properly. This is, sadly, what's going on in Israel now. There is this campaign that is coming about due to the politics of things, the campaign in which people are saying, oh, this government is not legitimate, because they can't find any other way to, to, to come back to power. <sighs> Don't have enough time. There's um, the spokesperson, the official spokesman for Yitzhak Buzhi Herzog, the leader of the opposition, tweeted, it wasn't actually a tweet, no, it was a post, in response to a very one-sided film that was presented on Israeli television about the settlements in Yudan Shamron. Basically, the message of the movie was, they won. They won. The settlers have brought about a situation where there's so many Jews there and so spread out that there's no way that we're going to be able to have a two-state solution. And so they've brought, put us into this horrible state of affairs and this is where we are, blah, 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 blah. It's all their fault. It's all their fault. And uh, Herzog's press secretary put out... It's such a vile message. I, I don't have the time to read it. Maybe next week. Basically accusing... This, the, the settlements, the settlers of, of every, everything you can possibly imagine. All right, let's see. How do, we, uh, how, do we, how do we get through this now? We have 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And by the way, I want to thank listener whose name I don't know, but his, his handle is ZBIS47, who chimes in from Israel, says another Jerusalem listener. Thank you so, so much. Come on over. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And Yehudis, of course. Thank you for your comments, kind remarks, as always. And um, to everybody else who's listening, should we go to... Um, I'm, I'm doing the show. Now, now I'm replanning the show out loud. Okay, we'll do a quick um, song off of that album, Lach Yerushalayim, remakes of um, Yerushalayim songs. It's very beautiful. It's called Imeshkachich Yerushalayim, Tishkachimini. It's a well-known melody. It's done by a group called Harp and Love. I do not know them, but I found this particularly beautiful, and I'll share it with you here. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
ירושלים על ראש שמחתי Lach Yushalayim, Songs of Yushalayim, redone, classic songs redone by uh, modern, modern, by current Israeli artists. That was Harp and Love with the artists. I don't know who they are. We'll find out eventually. My name is Mayor Wanger, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network, and I, I have failed to, to remind you that the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, a wonderful organization that has one goal, helping every Oleh make Aliyah and having that Aliyah be the best possible experience that it could possibly be. Boy, I really messed up that sentence. Making each individual's Aliyah as successful as possible. There we go. That's, that's the way that sentence should have been said. Um, summertime's coming up. Their charter flights, amazing, amazing. Go online. We'll try and let you know in advance when the uh, ceremony for the charter flights arrival are happening in the summer, and uh, hopefully you'll have a chance to see it as well. Um, take a look at their website, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il, and um, see what they have to offer, because uh, it's a lot. I uh, want to mention that, a couple of things. Um, on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, we are up to 379 likes and uh, you know, slowly but surely, bit by bit, we're 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 getting there. You know, the goal eventually 
the next goal, I should say, would be eventually to hit 400 and then 500. But uh, before that, 380 would be nice. Um, encourage people that you know, invite people that you know that you think might like it to, uh, to join. Every day, every day, no, every week when we uh, finish the show, we upload links to the music that we played so you can listen to them. If there's any particular song that you liked or songs, you can listen to them at your leisure. Last week, um, I uploaded a very cool 360-degree photo of Tel Aviv and you hold your iPad or iPod, or if you do it on your computer, you move the mouse, and, and as you you turn yourself around in 360 degrees, it's as if you're seeing out of the window. It's very cool. It's just very cool. So it's, uh, it's the new thing. Facebook is going to be having it now. For You'll be able to take your own 360 degree and so forth. So uh, please do take a look at that. Um, so the one piece of good news that I wanted to share with you, and uh, it's getting late, so I'll do it quickly. You may know the name Senpo Sugihara. Senpo Sugihara was a Japanese diplomat who saved thousands and thousands of Jews. He did so uh, at risk to, him, to his life because he forged documents. He forged visas allowing Jews to leave Eastern Europe and get to Japan and to other places. Um, his name is known, I think, by a lot of people, maybe not enough. Raoul Wallenberg's name is known more, probably because he disappeared and there's a mystery involved. The city of Netanya named a street after him, as he deserves. The street marks 30 years since Sugihara's death. And who was there? Hmm. His son, his fourth son, Nobuki, who is now 67, said, It's such an honor. I wish my father was here. And it is so important for us as Jews to continually be thankful, Makirotov, to those who risked their lives to help us. He is credited with saving 6,000 Jews from the Holocaust. And when he returned to Japan in 1947 after the war, he was pressured to leave the government office because he forged documents. Can you imagine? Crazy. The world is nuts. Olam We'll end off with brand new song, Uvalatit. Well, no, it's a new version of an old song, Uvalatzion Goel. Somebody just recently asked me, how come we don't sing that song very much anymore? I don't know, but maybe we'll start again now. It's off of the album Nugun Yisraeli, which is covers of uh, old songs by uh, by current artists. And who does this? Hmm, do I know? I'm sorry, I don't. But we'll find out who sings it. We'll post it when we post the uh, the thing. We'll, well, we will get to that song right after we say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and whoever got me on this morning. Thank you, especially to you. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network Encore Presentations, of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by Headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the Great Monday Music Marathon. Until next week, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. (laughs) 